Father God, I just want to thank you for the privilege of speaking your word to your people. It's such a great privilege. And Holy Spirit, I just welcome you today that you will minister to your servants and your handmaidens. You will strengthen us in our hearts by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And on this message, right and wrong relationship with money. Right and wrong relationship with money. There's a right relationship with money, and there is a wrong relationship with money. And for most of us, we've heard that money is the root of all evil. That's not scripture. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. So we come into that. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, For bodily exercise profits uh, a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and the life which is to come. So godliness is very profitable. It has that promise of the life that we are living in right now. And then the life that we are going to live with God. Godliness is that profitable. Now, in 1 Timothy, the same book, chapter 6, beginning from verse 6, it says, now godliness... Now, we're coming back again to godliness. What godliness means? Living my life for God. Not for myself. Living my life for God. Everything that I'm doing is based on my relationship with God. There are people that are living that way. And there are others that are not living that way. They don't care a thing about God. They are living for themselves. So when the word of God says godliness, it's not saying you are perfect. It's saying you are living your life for God. You are godly. And the Bible says godliness is profitable. Can I hear an amen? Godliness is profitable. Bodily exercise will profit just a little. We must take advantage of that as well. Amen? Those of you that like to jog and all of that stuff, we take advantage of that. It's profitable. But godliness is profitable for all things. Everything. Every area of your life is covered when you are godly. It profits you. So he says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. You've already heard that godliness profits. But then God wants you to add contentment. Godliness and contentment is not just gain. Great gain. So godliness will really profit you if you add contentment to that. 
Contentment is very important. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect or in regard to need. I don't have any need. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I don't care what's going on. I'm okay. I'm not needy. I have everything. I am godly. But I have learned that no matter what's going on, the ups and downs, I have learned to be content. Godliness and contentment is great gain. Having the promise not only of the life to come because you're godly, it has promise for the life that now is and the life wishes to come. If you are godly and you have no contentment, you will be miserable. You will be miserable. This is the word of God. And it tells you why you need to have contentment in whatever state you are in. Because God's going to improve the state. But wherever, wherever you are right now, be happy. Stay with God. God's with you. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to improve your life. Don't complain. Stay there. Believe in God. He says, he who believes does not make haste. You stay there trusting God because he is your source. And he wants you to be content. That's what he's saying. And he tells you why he wants you that. He says, for we brought nothing into the world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know, I read the story of this guy who loved his gold so much. And he wanted, he wanted to be buried with his gold. And in his funeral, there were these uh, guys watching. And they saw how decked he was with gold. As everybody viewed the casket. <laughs> this guy said, wow, this is wonderful. They're going to bury him with that? They buried him. When everyone was gone, those thugs came in. But they wanted his gold. <laughs> You're not carrying anything from here. You don't need it where you're going. We didn't bring anything here. No matter what you gather together on earth, you leave it right here. You're gone. When you, you came, just like you came, that's the same way you are exiting here. When God brings things into your life, what is wanting you to do? They were here before you got here. They were already here. There is nothing new. They were already here before you got here. God puts them into your hands so that you can rearrange them to benefit your life and benefit everything and everyone around you. And when you are through with your work, you leave them here and you go, others will come and take over. But if you leave your life for those things, then you got it all wrong. He wants you to have a right perspective so that God can truly bless you. Amen? Have the right perspective. And then it says, and having food and clothing, with this we shall be content. 
basically, once you have all your basic needs met and you are godly, don't have to worry about anything. God's going to take, if, you, if your bills are not being paid, talk to him. He's going to take care of you. But once you have all of those things, you can plan for the future. But don't get too concerned and worried where God's no longer in the picture. And you are pursuing other things and not pursuing him because of discontentment in your heart. You want. He's going to take care of you. Jesus made it very clear. Don't concern, don't be anxious for anything. Your heavenly father knows you need those things. He'll take care of you. I mean, if, God, if there is no God, it's a waste of time coming to church and sitting, sitting down, listening to somebody speak. There is a God. God is. And because God is, all I have to do is put my confidence in Him. That He is able to take care of me. And if He chooses not to, I'm okay with that. He knows better. But that's not what his word says. He's going to take care of you. So he says, once you got all these things, be content. Because that's what godliness is all about. Jesus said, you can't do anything to increase anything in your life. Everything that comes to you, he gave to you. And Paul said, what have you that you didn't receive? God will give you what you need based on the assignment that he has given to you in your life. And no one can take that from you. If you settle in that, settle yourself in that, God's going to reach you. No doubt about it. Then he tells us, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and handful loss. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. Perdition means you, you lose your soul. It's very clear there. It's not saying you should desire to be poor. That's wrong. That's not what he's saying. God wants you to have. But if... Wanting to be rich is consumed you so much. And I'll tell you how you know that something is not right. If it's consumed you so much, you are going to get in real trouble. And let me let you know also, it's not going to stop with you. He'll stay with the generation after you. And then after that generation. Because once you begin to do that, and I'll tell you why this is. Because he said right after that, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So he tells you why if you start following after money, you are going to destroy yourself. You are going to destroy a lot of people in the way as well. Because you have abandoned God and you are running after money. You know, there is only one thing that God... Actually said is God for man. Money. He said you can't serve God and money. You can actually with your attitude transform money that God wants to be your servant into your God to control your life. 
And that's wrong. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Because once that love is, is in you, all kinds of things will happen to you. First, one of the things that you do is, for most Christians, they struggle with paying their tithes. I don't want to preach about that, but that's a clear indication you have a problem here. And the struggle is equal. Everybody, it just depends on your heart condition. Let me tell you this. If a man has $10, that's all he's got. <laughs> to give $1, which is the time, that's a, that's a serious business. And if they're willing to give it up for their God, just love for God. Amen? They don't care. They're ready to let it go. And then we're thinking, well, $1 from $10, all I got is $10. I can't afford to give one. But think about the man who has a million dollars. He's got to give to the church $100,000. Guess what he's thinking? I can start another business with this $100,000 where they give it to that pastor. It's the same. What you do is based on what is happening in your heart. If you freely give it away, then the love of money is not there. But when you hold back to it, or you're struggling whether to give this or not, it's God's. God said it's mine. You really need to let it go. Let me tell you, God promised, and we're coming to this, He promised to bless you if you pay your tithe. You know what I think these days is happening? Everything you get comes from God. And so God says it to you and says, I want uh, you to sign that you received it and give me uh, the title of that so I know I sent it to the right address. Amen. And if he doesn't get the tent back, he's wondering... Whether he got your right address. And is it okay to send more to that same address? Because nothing came back. Amen. He wants to know. So he can keep sending to the same address. Because God said if you give back the thing, he's going to bless you. So that's one of the ways you know. When you're struggling with that, the love of money is already there. And all kinds of evil will begin to happen. When you can do something just to get extra money, and you know you're hurting your brother. You know you're cheating him. But your heart is hard. It doesn't matter. And you can still praise God for doing something that's wrong. He's crying. You are rejoicing. Your heart is not in the right place. You love money. You can cry, you don't, you love money. You can say you are blessed, no, you're lying. You love money. The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, I'm old enough to, see, to have seen a lot of things happen among people, even Christians. It's amazing. It's amazing what Christians can do. Some of you have experienced that. And I don't judge anybody, only God will judge. It's a crazy world when, when there is a love of money. 
If you watch television, people scheming to destroy their own family members just for insurance money. That's madness. But it's happening in our world. That's how bad this. When God says don't make money your God because God's supposed to govern you. When I read these things, I wonder and I see these things. What's going on in our world? People scheming just to take advantage of sometimes people who are close to them. People that they love. You are taking advantage of somebody who is there to you for your own personal gain. And you are happy about it. He sees all things. The, what is really wrong in you is that love of money. And that's what the Bible says. It's a wrong relationship with money. And you cannot make money your God. God doesn't say you shouldn't have money. He wants you to have money. God does want you to have money. Don't deceive yourself that you don't want money because you are a Christian. The Bible tells us. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, it may, Jesus said, Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need money. Don't, don't deceive yourself. He already knows you need it. And if you say, you, I don't really need it, you are deceiving yourself. You need it. And I need it. And He wants to give to you. But He wants his, your relationship with Him to be right. Money is your servant and not your God. Money is your servant, not your God. You say need to do what God has assigned you to do on the earth. If it's to bless that man, you say need there to change their situation because God put it through you. That's what it's supposed to be. Everyone needs money. You are wearing money right now. When you go to the grocery store to buy, or, to, or the departmental store to buy your clothes, you don't speak in tongues to get your money. You speak in cash. If you speak in tongues, you are not going to get out of that place with any good. They'll call the police. On you. We all need it. But God wants you to have it the right way. His way. And He wants to bless you if you do it His way. You know, Jesus said to pray this way to deliver us from evil. Evil. This is one thing. There are other sins. But God didn't call any other sin God. This one sin, the love of money, God calls it to be God. And He can consume you before and you never even know it. And He can leave a lot of damage behind His back. People hurting because of your actions. And but Eventually, he catches up with you. He destroys you. He destroys your family. And then you leave everything here and you go to the other world. Gaining nothing. But it's important 
that you do it right. You know, Jesus will identify this thing in a Christian. We're in church, and I've got to tell the truth. Jesus knows how to identify it in your life. He wants you to have millions of dollars if that's his assignment for you. And he'll bring it to you. Believe me. He wants you to have it. He says in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 17, my kingdom, my cities will spread out again through prosperity. God wants his children to be prosperous. Remember what he says. Give us this day our daily bread. Not give me today's bread, tomorrow give me... No, give us this day our daily bread. God, give me an inspired idea to create something that will give me and my children their daily bread. I used to understand it, you know, give me today's bread, God, I don't want any more. Just let me eat some sardine this morning and I'll be okay. And then the next day, God, could you afford steak today? I ate sardine last night. Today, I'm asking for... Excuse me. For a little steak, okay? (laughs) But that's not what that scripture is saying. Please understand. Jesus said, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Continuously. So God puts something in you. And I've seen people in our church, God's giving them some kind of a, it's a gift to provide for your daily bread. But he's not wanting you to look to that. That's an insult to God. He is the source. And when you turn your eyes from him and start thinking that this is what's going to give you deliverance, anything that comes, you throw money at it, money won't buy you happiness. I think is it Steve Jobs? Is Steve Jobs? Is that the next guy's name? Wealthy guy? Money couldn't deliver him from his sickness. The Bible says money answers to everything, but that's not true. Excuse me, but that's not the rational translation. Because he's saying money answers to some things. Because money cannot bring you salvation. The actual translation in that scripture is money will gain, give you, can answer to some things. But there are some things money cannot answer to. If your child is having trouble in school, you can throw money at it. Prayer may change his thinking and God can do that. So there are many things that money cannot do. So you can't look at money as your strength. God is the strength of your life. And when you have God as the strength of your life, He'll take care of you, your children, your finances, your retirement, everything that you need, God will take care of. God says, I don't want anything else but me. But human beings, we have the the tendency of thinking, oh, I got money, I'll take care of it. God says, that's not the way I want you to think. You got to trust me, amen? 
trust him, he's going to take care of you. Amen. So God has a way. He can identify that for in a Christian. And it's your choice to decide, I'm going to turn the other way. Because if you don't, you eventually stop where Paul was saying in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Destroy your life in perdition. You won't know when to stop. You know, there was a man that came to Jesus. You read the story in Matthew chapter 19. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a rich young ruler. And he wanted to go to heaven. He had everything. He was so wealthy. And he came to Jesus and said, Good master, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? He knew he had money, but I want the kingdom of heaven as well. I want that. I think I heard in Sunday school this morning uh, that Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth was saying, I can't wait for the rapture so I can meet Jesus. Let it come while I'm here in, on, my on my throne so I can get my uh, crown off and, and, and put at his feet. Yes, Queen Elizabeth. Somebody who has enjoyed all life. I was thinking in class this morning, thinking, I can't believe this. This woman possibly believed truly in the Lord Jesus, and she's had a good life here, but she knew all of this don't mean anything. I want Jesus. And she goes to heaven after having a good life here, and there's a street guy there. He had nothing. He pursued after all kinds of stuff, never cared about God, and then he suffered, he suffered here, and now he's in a bad place after life. That's crazy. That is crazy. Why won't you turn your life over to God? But let me go back to what I was talking about. God knows how to identify it. He saw this young man and the man said, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, well, you know the law. You're a Jew. You know the law. And Jesus told him some of the law. And he says, look, I've done all of these things for my youth. My youth. I did all of those things. And he says, what do I still lack? How many Christians ask God, what do I still lack in my life? Is there passion in our hearts towards God? What do I still lack? Tell me, what am I missing? I want to be a part of this kingdom. And then Jesus told him, identifying just one problem. He said, all, Jesus told him everything. He said, I've done all of those things. I kept the law. And he wasn't lying. Otherwise, Jesus would have told him, no, you lied. Jesus said, yeah, you're right. And he actually, look, he says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then identified his problem. And said, I want you to go back home, sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And the man was grieved. I can tell you, that, that the, you know why the scripture didn't mention his name? Because the Jews would know exactly who they were, Jesus was talking about. So his name is sealed. But that man didn't make it to heaven. He turned his back on the word of God. He turned his back. Because of money. And the Bible says because he had great substance. In other words, he had great wealth. He chose wealth over the kingdom of God. He chose wealth over Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come and follow me. We will be, today, if he had followed Jesus, we would have been reading about that man today with his name all over through eternity. Probably one of the twelve. To sit on the twelve thrones, thrones in heaven. He missed that because of the love of money. 
This is how serious this matter is. This is how serious this matter is. Now, it's funny, does Jesus want everybody to sell everything that you have to follow him? Now, there was another, another man in scripture named Zacchaeus. How I many you heard about Zacchaeus? He was wealthy. Very wealthy man. But short. And he had heard, of, he, he didn't care about going to, this, to the to church. Because he knew church people didn't like him, he was too wicked. <laughs> he was a real sinner. And he knew that, so he never bothered to go to church. Because he was a tax collector. And they called them publicans or republicans and uh, sinners, not kidding. <laughs> Democrats were like that. <laughs> Public, I mean, republic, no, publicans and sinners. If you're a Republican, don't get upset. <laughs> That's what Democrats would like to think. So they won't have anything to do with him. And he knew that. And he didn't care. He could care less. He was busy making his money. But these words kept coming to him. There is a prophet in the land. He accepts everybody. He's done miracles, raised the dead. I'm sure he was hearing all kinds of stories about Jesus. And he was intrigued by this man Jesus. And all he wanted to do was to see him. He just wanted to look upon him. He wasn't thinking about being a part of his meeting or anything. He just wanted to see him. But the guy was uh, really short. And so when he went out, he couldn't see Jesus, so many people around. So this uh, uh, multi-millionaire ran ahead. He knew the path Jesus would take. He climbed up on a tree. Uh, this rich guy up in a tree, he was desperate just to see. And look at us. Have you even tried to see Jesus? I've had people cry, Jesus, just let me see you. Guess what? They did because he gave them the desires of their heart. But he wanted to see. So he climbed up and Jesus saw him and said, and called him by name. He knew him. Never met him before. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay in your house today. The guy was saying, they wouldn't even allow me in church and you're going to stay with me? Wow. This is wonderful. He was so glad. He got Jesus to, invited all his sinner friends, and they, they, all the publicans, they all came, and they were eating with Jesus. There was so much joy in the place. He was glad. He was something. The Son of God recognized him, and he was in his presence. All of a sudden, he recognized, I don't need money. I don't need money. I got everything I need there. And he told Jesus, he said, now let me tell you. Jesus said no word to him about giving his money away. He came out on his own. He said, let me tell you. If I've taken anything from anybody in a wrong way, I'm going to give that person back four times what I took from him. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to... He's, he, many, many, when you truly know God, money is nothing. It's a servant. 
I'll throw it out. I'll bless everybody. Let them have it. I got what I want. I got all the money in my life that I want. Amen? But Jesus didn't ask him because money was not the issue in his life. What's the issue in your life this morning? What's drawing you away from God? You're going to turn your life over to Jesus? Or you're going to wait? Why do you want to wait till tomorrow? What if Jesus said to you, I want to come and stay in your house? Would you say, oh, wait a minute now. I got some things in my house that, I'm <laughs> that I don't want you to see. Can you come back next week? <laughs> Be- believe me, he doesn't care what is in your house. He could care less what was in Zacchaeus' house. He was ready to go. Never said anything about what was in his house. He just loved the man. And the man's life was transformed. Your life can be transformed this morning if you would just turn everything to the Lord Jesus. Amen? All eyes closed this morning. You're here this morning and you say, I want to turn everything over to Christ, to Jesus. I want him in my life. I want to take him all together, just as he is. Into my house, your house today. Jesus is saying, I want to come to your house. I want to come to your your house. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Please honor this moment because this is a very significant moment in the lives of some. And we need to honor it. Amen. Because the Lord God himself is here. And those that are going to respond to him today, they are doing something very sacred something very holy. And so we must honor his name as we do this. If you're here this morning and you really want to commit everything to God, you want Jesus in your house, all I need to do, all I need you to do, I'm going to pray for you and God will hear my prayer. All I need you to do is to raise your hand up after I have said one, two, and three. After that, raise your hand up and I'll see it and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See those hands. Thank you. May God bless you. May God bless you. Thank you for being sincere with him. Thank you. He saw those hands and he loved seeing those hands up because you are saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. I want you in my life. I need you. And he heard you. He saw your hand. And he's loved you so much. Just like he loved that young ruler, rich uh, ruler that came to him. He's looked down upon you this morning and he's loving you. Amen. He's loving you. And I know that without a doubt. Right now, because you raised your hands up, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. We have a new family member. We have a new family member. Thank you, young man. You're so serious. Has his hand up all this time. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this prayer together to our God. Amen. Every one of us, let's join in prayer. Say with me, Lord God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for my sins. Lord, I love you more than I care for money. Jesus, come into my life. You are all the money I need. In this world, thank you, Lord, 
for hearing my prayer. I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, let's put our hands together. Especially for those that said that prayer and you meant it. You raised your hand and you said that prayer, you meant it. I want to let you know your name is in the Lamb's book of life. No devil, no demon can erase it. God has the book in his hands. Who is going to get there? And nobody can destroy your life. Amen? That's just the truth. What I want you to do this morning as we take the offering, do you have the connection card? Please check what you did towards the Lord this morning. There's a section where it says, My decision. Tell me what you did. I love to have those cards. And if you have prayer requests, put your prayer request there. In the morning, most mornings, I'm here in the morning about 6 o'clock praying. Uh, and I, want, I usually get those cards with me. And sometimes in my office, I'm praying for you. Because I believe there is a God who answers prayers. And as I pray, He blesses you. I want to share with you that there was a lady that came to our church some weeks back. And for a year, I'd been struggling to get pregnant. We prayed for her, told her, you're going to get pregnant. She's pregnant now. So two weeks after, she was already pregnant. God's answering prayers. So we want to bless you by taking those cards and praying for them. So check them out and put, them, put that card in the envelope. Amen? I mean, the offering basket. Now, please receive envelopes for tithe. I mean, remember what I said about tithing this morning? God wants to know your address. <laughs> your address is important to Him. So pay your tithe. Amen? Thank you, Lord God. It's always a privilege to give to God. In our church, we don't, have, we don't put any pressure on anybody to give. We ask you to give willingly because that's the only way God will bless you. If you hear any minister saying, our ministry is suffering, so you have to give, and you feel compelled to give, that's against First, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 9. Don't do it when you feel compelled to give. God will not recognize it. But when you give it willingly, He recognizes it. Yes, He receives it. Jesus worships His Father with it, and He blesses you. Amen?